0: I'm going to start this segment off with a trigger warning and you are going to hear me pause and you will have heard me pause in especially the last segment I did because I have a I've had a serious dissociation problem For most of my life that I fought and there were times that I had to stare at people's mouths to stay present. There was a period of time that's all I could do. I could not concentrate on what people were saying to me. But I've been in counseling for two and a half years the first time and probably over three years the second time. And I've learned for the most part not to like whoosh (laughs) check out Um, but I do still find that when I talk about certain subjects it it causes me to um, want to go blank that's how my mind deals with the trauma and to get stuck spacey and I have to fight to bring stuff back in so I apologize for the delays sometimes and as I get better at this I can probably um, edit some of this but as a child and again trigger warnings I I had um i i was raised a joe's witness my father was an elder my mother was an elder's wife we were elders children and very early on i learned that there were my my family often said that it was none none of anybody else's business so what i remember about that is we pretty much grew up lying because my dad had to pretend to be a good elder and there were a lot of things that they my parents did not want the congregation to know was going on and my uh, my mother would just say you know, over and over again it's not anybody else's business now I don't know what I thought the secrets were other than my dad was something of a womanizer, but it was usually pretty young sisters in the hall that he was paying attention to or other people's, other brothers, wives. And when he would get a little too carried away with this and my mother would become very upset and she would always share, overshare with her young daughters, um, we would move pretty much in the dark of the night type thing, we would move before he would get caught to the extent that he would be removed as an elder. And so probably in my mind, this was the reason For all the secrets. But later on, as I got to be a teenager, I began to realize um, after I had my first boyfriend and I was allowing uh, bad things to happen to me pretty quickly, that I would turn into a helpless child and and i fought the elders um i i will unpack all that i'll just briefly say that i was quickly ending up in front of the elders quite quite a bit and i was quite in their eyes i was quite rebellious i realize now that teenagers tend to push against boundaries to find out who they are. I didn't have a clue who I was. As I said before, I had been told my whole life who I was and what I should believe and what was correct and you didn't question. And I'm very much against not questioning, Um, but we'll get into all of that. Um. so I, I ended up in front of the elders quite a bit and I began to realize as I let that I would fight the elders I would fight people in position of authority like no tomorrow but if you put me in a bed with in the wrong circumstances I would turn into a helpless child and I quickly realized very early on when I got married the first year and a half to a really bad guy, which was the theme of my life, that there had to be a reason why I was so dissociative and why I would turn into a helpless child and stop fighting. And this remained a theme in my life for three going on four decades until I learned to fight back before I could bring an end to the abuse and unfortunately when I met my kid's dad I saw him as somebody who had rescued me from that year and a half relationship and that's going to be a relationship I'm going to have to unpack in another segment Um, because there's quite a bit to that but I saw the kid's dad as like a savior so when and many people around me saw him as being very laid back Uh, never ever got angry, more or less. Um, He was never violent uh, until he was. And for the first several years, I never saw there were a couple of instances when he got mad about one of the kids' toy, and it went through the front window. That surprised me. But when his daughter his he had a six-year-old daughter from his first marriage and when her other siblings started telling me stories later on about things he had done i didn't believe it not for a minute i did not believe it until much much later when i began to see some of this because basically he was completely the calm person that you could rely on and everybody loved and he led many many job sites and he was a wonderful wonderful um leader that you could not believe that he could snap and become this other person and the first time i saw him snap and become this person he had been, for quite a few years, he had been um, pretty much checking out as a dad and as a husband. And he, he would go off, and at first in Alaska, he had become a bush pilot, so he would go off and he'd fly here and he'd fly there, and he was just always gone. And he would leave me to raise, raise the kids, and I remember Many, many, many instances where my sister, my teenage uh, stepsister, my sister, uh, was helping me with my kids, but the dad was never around. And I would not resent him. First off, I had been trained as a witness that this is your husband and he can do no wrong and you are the, he's the head of the house and... You're supposed to follow his lead. And second, I saw him as somebody who had saved me from a really bad situation. So I I didn't let myself think for, for a long time. Probably better than a decade and a half. I did not let myself think negative things. Um, And they slowly built up somewhere in me, resentments that he was never around for emergencies, that my oldest son was born two months early and had a serious uh, low blood sugar issue that he would cause for the first... It started when he was six months old and began to progress into what looked like grand mal seizures and he he got so he was doing this several times a day and he ended up in the hospital and we had to put him on proglycem and this was all uh, not something that any of the doctors knew about they were working with doctors in Loma Linda in Seattle area and they um, they, they didn't know exactly. I mean, they, they, back then, they, they, we were in Alaska, um, and they didn't know exactly. But anyway, he was never around for most of the seizures. He was never around for most of the things. He would either work seven days a week, or he would go off someplace else. When we were on the mountain, where the choking incident happened, he went to Barrow, Alaska, and he just completely checked out, and this went on for years. I have no idea how I survived all that. Um, But I had come from a family that was five generations, Montana. Uh, My my great-grandparents were old pioneers of Montana. My great-grandmother was born in York, Montana. And she raised three kids in the middle of nowhere on her own. So I couldn't figure out why I couldn't be like my five foot, not even five foot grandmother and, and raise my kids on this mountain on my own. I felt like a failure. But I had all this stuff coming in at me and he was, it was all bad timing to begin with. And he was going off to barrel and leaving me for weeks and weeks at a time and coming back and then leaving me. And I made him take me to Alaska. Well, he dropped me at his parents and then I couldn't handle that. So I took them to this little cabin-like um, motel air And we were there for three months and then, or four months, and then we were at an apartment for, a total of nine months before he could get us to Barrow, Alaska. And then I didn't respond well. I became really good friends, and I never did more than flirt, but I had been for some time taking my anger out in some way with becoming good friends with, every other guy who paid attention to me since my husband wasn't paying attention to me. No excuse. Um, But that was my my way of coping. And what I've come to learn is these were the tools that I used at the time. It was probably the same tools my dad had used. It was the tools I was using, and I did see the correlation, but I couldn't even begin to express my feelings, more or less um, acknowledge where this was coming from. So it just got worse and worse. And when he would not listen to me and would not, he had taken me back to the mountain. He'd built the cabin. it was a tiny uh, 20 by 20. Um, he built a, a bathroom in the back because we did have an outhouse and he did we put in a phone and he bought a generator and uh, but when he kept going back and forth to Barrow and he wouldn't listen to me it started creating these bad fights where he did eventually end up choking me. And by the time this ended, like six years later, um, I was pretty angry. And a lot of things happened on that mountain and I will have to unpack a bunch of that. We lost a lot of animals. Um, It was um, pretty much a nightmare situation for me it took me a long time to come to terms with, and a lot of counseling. And I, at the same time, was trying to go to the hall, and because I was having all these triggering events, whenever I went to the hall, I kept leaving in tears and, and crying and not wanting to go, but feeling guilty that I wasn't going because that you don't do that. And uh, I kept missing and I kept taking my kids and then not taking my kids and feeling guilty about that and telling my husband at the time when he was home that I wanted to stop going. And these events built and built and these fights between him and I Which had never happened because my, they just, it was the last six months that they did, they just kept building and building and my kids were witnessing all these arguments between us and I couldn't get him to change his mind. And then when he finally did, I was too angry to be happy about it and I started AOL came around and I started entering chat rooms and um, they were author chat rooms but then when guys paid attention to me in these author chat rooms I was flirting back I was pissed off and I wasn't acknowledging just how pissed off I really was and all these animals were dying and eventually it got to uh, when my husband was doing a lot of drinking and I realize now that he probably never quite let the drug habit go that he had had with his first marriage and I was just very naive to it. I didn't have any idea about it. And one day he threw me out of the the vehicle and he went on up to the house. It was a mile long uh, road into four wheel drive access in the winter time. And my sister came home and I caught a ride. They lived next door We had 10 acres. They had 20. And when I got home, he was marching around with a rifle over his shoulder. And um, I told the little kids to run. I told my older boys. I have four children. And at that time, my oldest was going on 16, and his brother was going on Well, he must have been 15, because they're a little over a year apart. So he was 14 by the time I went to Colorado. Um, My daughter must have been about 11, and my youngest must have been about 9. I told the two younger ones to run, and I told the older boys, but they were used to their dad being that laid-back person. So they didn't. And... I got in the van and he appeared to the side of the van and I don't know where he had pulled out the pistol. It was my, his father had given me a 357 Magnum and he was waving it wildly between my head and his head and my head and his head and then he, and I just went into, I, I pulled into that stunned space that I had learned to go when things were beyond comprehension. And uh, he walked around the vehicle and he shot out all the tires, and I don't remember getting out of the van, I don't remember getting away, Um, but this was an incident my my kids were aware of. we had a neighbor that their kids had been up in the, the attic where their bedroom was and the, they were like, they probably, I don't know if the window would open, but they were watching their parents and their parents were very drunk and their mother had sat on some other guy's lap and dad got out a, a gun and... She ran and she tripped over a root of a tree, and when he at the same time he fired the gun, and uh, he thought he shot her, and he shot himself. And the kids are upstairs watching, and that was it. I mean, my kids had been a few years earlier in we were in California before we bought this land, and. Him and I got into an argument, and he went down the freeway at over 100 miles an hour. And he was screaming at us, and he punched the windshield with his hand. And I thought we were all gonna die. I don't know how I got him to calm down. That was the first time I seen him snap, and started realizing that everything that my stepdaughter's siblings from his first marriage could be correct. And then he, over the years, I learned that he had been taking my four-year-old son, then the youngest son, and then later on, you know, as he got older, he was showing him about, talking to him about killing animals and um, showing him things that maybe my two older sons would have been okay with, but my youngest son was not okay with. Um, and certainly what he was saying made me feel, or made, it made me feel when I realized that he made my youngest son feel like his dad was a sociopath. As he got older, he started seeing him and the stuff he had been saying to him as a sociopath. I have no idea. Um, many many times in the last few years I've just seen him as kind so until this all came up again but I guess what I'm saying is that things happened on that mountain and it kept progressing and he threw a can at me one time and it left a massive bruise on my leg he threw bolt cutters at me and they went over the they went into the wall uh, above my head and just different instances that we kept building up until um he was walking around with a gun and this had been this was probably let's see uh my youngest was six when he choked me and this was the beginning of the barrel fighting to me leaving and getting a a restraining order because he had marched around with the gun now I went to Colorado I figured I could hide but I had been flirting and um, I was talking to a guy that thought that we were in a bad situation and put me together with another woman who husband was beating her really badly and the whole idea was that we were supposed to go to Colorado and disappear in this big metropolis area Um, and she didn't she didn't show and I wasn't acknowledging that I was attracted to this guy but he was just really good at uh, flirting and I wasn't used to that kind of attention so over the next several years and we will unpack what went on with him because i put myself from the fire into the frying pan and it got really it got really ugly and so my kids just saw my youngest when he was going through his rage was like you are an a owl and uh, that's pretty much how I felt I, I, over the next several years I felt like I had ruined my kids lives and um, put them through entirely too much hell that, and I began to see their dad as the best of what he did until this all came up again so the things that i've learned i went i i did go some good things came out of colorado like i went to college um i had wanted to go for so long and the witnesses didn't allow it and uh my ex when we get into all this uh in Colorado had forbid me from going to the hall and I don't forbid well but I uh, I didn't want to go so this became my the way I gave myself permission not to and I started looking into some of the oldest uh, Ancient teachings that I could find. I was going to the library all the time because back then we didn't have Google. <laughs> um, and I was looking for who I was, what I believed, what I, the reason things did not resonate with me as being truth when the witnesses were talking always about the truth, why I felt like. I had been taught about truth my whole life and only found lies. And then I looked at the lies and I found my truth. Um, How I... It was a lot like taking myself apart and putting myself back together. And how going to therapy and and going to college eventually and learning that okay yes I did all these things and a lot of them were really ugly and I let myself get into super ugly situations and even like I said on the year and a half I was married before the kid's dad and all and some a couple really bad Boyfriends and um, all these horrific things that I had allowed to happen to me, Um, but how I had survived these, and this is what I had learned through therapy: is and learning to forgive myself. That I didn't have all the tools. I only had what I had, what I had Uh, that I had survived and learning new tools and learning the different things that had caused um, or perpetuated and helped me get into these situations and that's why I'm now telling my story to you because over time I have learned not only about the PTSD and the disassociation and the Stockholm syndrome that I think really relates to what when I went to Colorado um, and how I um, built a trauma bond with him the size of an archer. And what it's taken to heal from so much harm and so much trauma. And there are so many people out there, so many women out there that have gone through so much worse. That if I can manage to tell my story and stay present and somehow tell you in some kind of a cohesive matter that you can understand that makes sense, because even as I repeat it at times it's very painful and at times I'm just horrified by my choices and um, all I can say is that I hope the lessons that I've learned and the tools I have used to heal me and to be able to, uh, stay present and in, um, the spiritual things that I have done to bring healing into my life. And I'm trying to, uh, help my children to use those same tools when I get a chance, uh, make sense to uh, everyone at some point, that it'll give you something, and if I can share that with you, then that makes it a little bit better.